So how's everybody doing? Are you starting to feel the Christmas spirit coming on? I almost broke into a song again then. It's beginning to be look a lot like Christmas. Anyway, that's enough of that. Um, <laughs> we're starting our new series this month called Messiah. And I think it's just a, a great message to bring in in sense of understanding who he is. Because, you know, this time can be all about celebration, but unless you understand what you're celebrating, it doesn't have a lot of meaning behind it all. A lot of people get excited in the world, some just because purely it's a break uh, from uh, work and that, but there's so much more to that. And over this month, we're going to explore that from different speakers and uh, Messiah. I was looking back at some of my records, uh, 2017, um, the McCrindle Report surveyed 1,024 people and they asked this question, how much do Australians know about Jesus and his life? 28% had no very, or knew very little. A moderate, uh, 24% had a moderate amount and 45% a significant amount. In other words, one in 29 people, Australians, have never heard of Jesus. One in 29. So that means when you count 29 people when you're walking down the Rundlemall, one of them hasn't heard of Jesus. And our mission is to reach these people with the gospel message for them to know there is a saviour. There is a God in heaven that loves them. And I think as we take that on board this Christmas, and as Pastor Sharon said, you know, praying for people that you want to see come to Christ, invite them to everything that's to do with Christmas. The meetings here, uh, the carols, all these things where they'll be exposed to the presence of God in a great way. So you can travel through life with a knowledge of Jesus, but without experiencing the power and the relationship of Him. And a lot of people are doing that. Even church people can do that. They can attend church and, and uh, have a knowledge of Jesus, but it hasn't actually changed them because they've not applied it. They've not entered into that relationship with him. You can observe and have a knowledge of someone without knowing him. You know that? You, you probably got this at your work or even your neighbours. You know, sometimes uh, at work, you've been working with these people for a long time, but you have no idea of them. Has anyone got people like that, you know, where you see them every day, but you just don't know who they are? You know, it's great to actually stop and find out who they are. It's actually good to find a moment where you say, hey, oh, I haven't met you before. I've seen you at work, but yeah, it'd be great just to introduce yourself and say who you are and take that time out. Because I'm telling you, people will engage. People need people. People. That's not okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we need people. God has made us that way. And so we've got to look for those opportunities. There's opportunities every day to meet people, even in your cafe, when you go to the shops, I always make some comment. I mean, at my shops, there was this uh, young girl at the checkout. And I went through the first day, and I could not believe it. I don't even, she didn't look like she was old enough to work. I thought she was only like 10 or something, because she was very small. She must have been at least, I don't know, 14, whatever you've got to be. And, um, but she was so polite and so full of energy. She said, oh, good morning, sir. How are you? Are you having a great day? And I thought, well, this is so good. There's so much life here. So I made sure the next time I went there, I, I went through her little aisle and I just said, hey, I want to tell you, you're doing a great job. She goes, oh, thanks. Just a little moment like that actually uplifts people, connects with people, because we need connection. People need to know that they're doing something of significance. So we see, um, even through the uh, works of the, when we read the Bible, you'll see a lot of accounts of people heard the name Jesus, but they still not had encountered him. All through the Bible, we see different situations like that. They said, who is this man? 
And in fact, um, it really counts that you know who Jesus is. Seeing does not mean you believe. Jesus said, only believe and you will see. The level of knowledge of Jesus affects the level of your belief. To the, dele- to the level that you believe in Jesus and who he is will affect the level that you actually live for him. You know, if, if Jesus is just a historical character to you, that won't change anything really in your life at all. Nothing will change. It'll be the day, the day thing. But when you know Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the Messiah and he is your saviour, it changes everything about life. It gives you a different outlook, a different understanding of where you're heading. When your love for him becomes greater than your love for the world, it changes everything, everything. You know, the level of knowledge of Jesus affects everything, even in his own town. In Matthew chapter 13, 54, it says this, And when he had come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, so much so that they were astonished and said, From where does this man have this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not the mother, his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are, all, are they not all with us? Then from where does this man have all these things? And they were um, offended in him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour, except in his own country and his own house. And it says in verse 58, And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. You can see right here in his hometown, they didn't believe in him, so it blocked the flow of God. When we see people coming to Jesus and believing in him, the flow of God moves. And I've seen in many meetings, you know, the difference between one meeting and the other is really about what people are willing to accept and believe, if they're open to God. If you're closed. I was just saying the other day, I was in a meeting um, in the Himalayan mountains in, in uh, I forgot the name of the t- <laughs> which one it was now. One, yeah, one village we're in, and uh, Tutuan. No, no, was it? T- yeah, pa- yeah. Anyway, I always forget the names. I get mixed up. We're in this village, and they had three churches in a, uh, of this village of four hundred people, and uh, they had a Catholic church, they had a Baptist church, and had an AOG church. And when we came the first night, they all combined. They all wanted to hear the guest speaker, so we all, you know, they all joined in. And they started the worship. The worship was good. But it just felt like there was, nothing, there was something happening in that meeting that, that needed to be broken. Because I was just struggling to uh, speak. Everything just seemed to be dead. You know, it's like, what is going on here? Because I came full of faith, believing because I've been to the village before and seen some great things happen. There was just a real hold on it. And I'm going, what the heck is going on here? And uh, anyway, didn't worry about it. The next night was just the uh, Baptists and the, um, the AOG came, completely different meeting. And I said to the pastor, wow, they seem to be lively tonight. And he says, no, pastor, it's because we had the Catholics there who don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe that. They're just very traditional. They're very uh, religious people. That's what he put it. Even though there are some great Catholics, believe me, I'm not saying anything against Catholics, but these particular ones were not into God being the real God that we should worship. And there was a power difference. As soon as they weren't there, it was the expectation lifted and we saw like amazing things take place. So that's why we should come to church with expectation that something's going to happen, that Jesus is here amongst us, where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is amongst us. 
Jesus is here right now. We come with expectation. What is Jesus going to do today? See, how you view Jesus is very important. Many religions believe in Jesus, but in a different way. We've got Muslims that believe that Jesus is just a prophet. He's not the son of God. But then you've got Jehovah's Witnesses believe that he is the son of God, but not equal to God. And it goes on and on with the Mormons and everything else. The question this morning is, who is Jesus to you? This is the very question that was asked in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, which we're going to read this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you'd like to turn to Matthew 16, chapter 16, verses 13 through to 17. Matthew 16, 13. And coming into the parts of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say me to be, the Son of Man? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but my heavenly Father. Let us just pray this morning. Father, we just thank you today that we can meet in your presence. We thank you, God, for all that you do for us and, God, all that you have done. And, Father, I pray today that our eyes will be open, enlightened to see even more of your glory, of revealing who you are and that your Son is the true Messiah. Father, I pray today that you'll speak to us through your word. If your word does not return void, God, as we open our hearts and minds to hear your word and take it in, God, there will be change take place. Father, I just thank you today for your, your uh, word here, and I pray, oh God, that you'll speak through me in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here is an important question, and, you know, if I was to go around with a Roman mic right now, who is Jesus to you? Well, part, part of you would probably just hide <laughs> if you see him come around with a mic, but others would say, well, he's a Lord, he's a Saviour, he's a Messiah. But, you know, we'd all have a different sort of probably outlook, but we need to have the full outlook. Not just a part of it, not he's a good man. You know, a lot of people think Jesus was a good man in the world, but they don't know, recognize him as the savior. They just know he was a good man. And that's what uh, the Muslims believe. He was a, a prophet, good man, but he was not the savior of the world. See, in Matthew 16, 14, it says, And they said, Some say, because they asked the question, Who do men say I am? Jesus was curious to know what were people saying about him. And uh, they said, Some say John the Baptist. Now, there was a belief in the Jew, Jewish realm at that time that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead, and they thought that perhaps this is John the Baptist in Jesus' body, you know, and uh, it was just a, a sort of a rumor thing that was going around. And then some said Elijah, and you've got to understand their mindset was not, they didn't have the ability to look into the New Testament like we do. They didn't have a New Testament, so they're only reading the scriptures from the Old Testament knowing that there's a Messiah coming, there's a Saviour coming, all these things, but not really understanding who that is because we, we got all the answers, of course, in the New Testament, but they didn't have that to go by. So they're only going by what they thought. So there's all these conjecture of what this man was. And it says in Malachi 4.5, uh, sorry, yeah. Uh, Behold, I'm sending you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of uh, Jehovah. So some thought, this has got to be Elijah. I've read the scripture. It says here, you're going to send Elijah before the great and dreadful day of Jehovah. Where others thought, hang on, no, I've read the scripture of Deuteronomy chapter 18, 15. It says, 
Jehovah your God will raise up a prophet from the midst of you, of your brothers, one like me, to him you shall listen. They thought it was Jeremiah. So there was a lot of talk going on. Who is this man? He's doing amazing things. He's got to be Jeremiah. No, no, he's John the Baptist. No, there was a lot of thought going on at that moment. And even today we have people arguing about who Jesus is. You know, that's why you have so many different uh, cults and things going out there because they all recognise a Jesus, but uh, a different Jesus. Even um, Richard Dawkins, the atheist, I was only saying this the other day, he had to recognise in a debate that there was a real Jesus. Now that really made him very uncomfortable to say that because he's been fighting against God for all his, you know, most of his life. I don't know what happened to him as a kid, but the atheist um, Richard Dawkins obviously was hurt somewhere along the way and he was out to try to disclaim there was a God and he'd even put him in big money in, in the, the uh, buses in London and stuff, posters saying there is no God and, and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, and I thought, well, this guy's pretty bitter, isn't he? If he's paying out his money to prove something he doesn't believe in anyway, uh, I go, well, it's pretty crazy. But we still have people like that. We still have people that know the name of Jesus. And actual fact, if you go to South America, there's a lot of people called Jesus, but it's not the Jesus because this is Jesus the Christ. And Christ is not his surname, by the way, for some people that think uh, Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> uh, but Jesus asks this important question. So here they are. This is what reporting back what men were saying, who he thought he was. But Jesus said, but who do you say I am? Now he's addressing the disciples. Okay, you've told me all what men are thinking out there, but who do you say I am? I want to see if you've got that, if you've got the full picture here. Who do you say I am? And I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if the disciples going, well, let me think about this or whatever. But straight away, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Simon jumped in straight away because he had a picture. He knew exactly. He had a revelation straight away happening you are the Christ. Now, Christ and Messiah are interchangeable. Messiah was the Old Testament name. Christ is using the New Testament name, which is the anointed one, the anointed one of God. So if we use Christ or Messiah, we're talking about the anointed one of God. And Matthew 16, 17, says, Jesus answered him and said to him, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not re reveal it to you, but my Father in heaven. He had a revelation from the heavenly Father. You remember when you became a Christian? There was something suddenly clicked. Something suddenly happened. And you responded to that because God had revealed himself to you. God suddenly showed himself to you the first time. Now, I know in my life, I grew up in a home that wasn't Christian. We had an understanding there was a God. So, like, once again, I knew there was a God. I knew there was a Jesus. I see him in a little manger at Christmas time. And, uh, you know, that was kind of my understanding of him. But that's as far as I went. I had no relationship with him. I didn't know who he really was. I didn't understand why he came. I had no idea of these things. But one moment, one, uh, moment in time, I was invited to a church. And uh, this is a Baptist church, and uh, they were in their sort of summer break. And they were doing connect groups, a little bit different to what we did. They used to have their solid connect groups, but summertime, they mixed it up. They kept swapping them around. So you'd be in one group one week, another one the next one, and just mess it up. And... Uh, and it was there when I had this encounter with God. I, I remember it very strongly in my mind. Uh, we were in a meeting, and, uh, and Baptists, when they pray, like to go in circles. Well, the Baptist church I was, anyway, <laughs> sat in circles. The leader of the group said, hey, look, we're going to pray. 
And, and I'd been invited along and I thought I'd been tricked because I thought I was just coming for food and fun because that's what someone told me. Come along to our group, food and fun. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> and then now they're turning us in a prayer meeting. Hang on, where's the food? I got chipped. Yeah, that's what I felt. That's what I felt like at the time. But anyway, I'll go along with it. I'll go along with it. These nice people, be respectful. And um, so they started praying. And I, I soon picked up that the way you pray in the Baptist church is one at a time, and, and it has to go in order. <laughs> so there I am sitting there going, I'm working this one out. You know, it's like, he started, okay, now it's him. Now it's, oh, it's coming close to me. Oh, what am I going to do? I don't know how to pray. Nobody told me about this. And, and, and it's coming around the circle. It's getting closer, and, and, and it seemed like they all knew what they were doing because they all waited until the other one's finished, and then they start. It's my turn now. And uh, got like one person away from me. I am actually sweating right now because I have no idea how to do this thing. And I'm going, what are they going to think? So I opened my eyes to see how close it was. Somebody else had their eyes open, saw me with my eyes open. I thought, oh, I've sinned. I know, I know this is wrong. Oh no, I've been sprung. I've been caught out. This is a sin. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, and uh, anyway, he closed his eyes and, he, and there's this tension in the room. And they, I think there was some sort of secret code that Christians have when there's a new person that doesn't know Christ, we sort of know. You know when you know that, that secret sort of thing going on, yeah. All right, we cover for him, boys, all right? And, and they did. So this guy next to me starts praying. I thought, oh, this is it. All right, what do I do? Do I say something about God? I don't know how you do this. And, and, and this guy finished, and I thought, there's a gap. Are they waiting on me? But then all of a sudden, boom, the guy next to me opened up. Missed that. But then it started going around again. I thought, this is just too much. Come on. Are you guys religious or something? And, um, but then when it got around to the, 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 the leader, it suddenly stopped. And then he started. And I thought, okay, it is coming around a second time. And, and he started speaking. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his sentence, he just stopped. I thought, hello, what's the trick here then? He hasn't finished his sentence. Did somebody else finish it off for him? You know, and, and it was like one of those moments where I go, what is going on? Has he forgotten what he's praying about? Oh, perhaps he struggles with prayer too. I don't know. But there's just this awkward silence. And suddenly he starts praying, but changed the whole word. He started talking about somebody in the group. And I'm going, like not where I mentioned names. He said, God is saying to you right now, something to that effect, that he knows what you've been thinking. He knows who you are. And today he is speaking to you. And as he said that, it's me. <laughs> I'm looking around, they're all eyes closed. No, it's me, it's me. And as he started speaking these things, it was just hitting me. All of a sudden I was having an encounter with God that I'd never had before. And I thought, this is real. Whoa. So I remember after that meeting, I went up to this guy, the leader, because I only met him a couple of times. I said, all right, who, who let you in on my life? Who told you about me? Who's been following me? I said something like that. I honestly thought that he'd overheard something or knew something about me, inquiring about me, the undercover Christian as he'd been going in and, and find out, doing some homework. And, uh, and I went, oh. I said, no. He goes, what, what do you mean? And I said, well, you, when you said that stuff, you were talking about me. How did you know this stuff? And he goes, this is Ian. I don't even know what I said. He said, I was praying. And suddenly I just felt God stop me. And then I felt God speak through me. I, oh, wow, this is a bigger deal now because God knows me. God knows all that. I'm in trouble. <laughs> but 
But I went home, I said, Lord, I've got to know more. I've got to know more. There's just something, I cannot sleep. I've got to know about this, God. And I said to the lead, look, could you spend some time? I've got to ask you questions. You know, there's just some things that happen. And, and, and I remember spending the rest of the night, uh, you know, the rest of the people gone home. I think it's about 11.30 at night, and I'm still throwing these questions, and he's flicking his Bible, and yeah, and Jesus said this, and yeah, and what about this? And, and it was just one of those moments, and uh, I've never forgotten it. It's those moments when God speaks to you, you never forget. And God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you today even. And if God hasn't spoke to you, he will speak to you if you are open to him. But he, Jesus asked a question, and Peter in that moment had that revelation. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one of God. There was no doubt. It wasn't like, oh, I think you might be. You've done some pretty specky stuff around here, you know, healing people. And, uh, no, he didn't do that. He says, you are the Christ. They, he recognized it straight away because it had been revealed to him by the Father, it says. But who did Jesus say he was? There's a good question. So we found out who, what the men had said. We found out now one of the disciples that said, you are the Christ, but who did Jesus say it was? Because that's important as well. In the story of the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, we read an encounter where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And he says to the woman, you know, draw me water, and uh, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. And then he asks her to go get a husband, and she says, I have no husband. He says, yes, you say that correctly, because you've had five. Now, can you imagine being there, somebody doing this download? You know, you don't really, yeah, it's like, all right, he's been talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in this sort of situation, and, um, and, the, and it goes on in all that passage. Uh, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Well, you just told me, yeah, I had five husbands, and the one I'm living with now is not my husband. And, you get, and so she's going, I perceive you're a prophet, you know. So there was something going on there. Then in John chapter 4, verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I am the one speaking to you. Jesus in this moment acknowledged, I am the one that you are waiting on. I am the Messiah. I am the one you've been waiting for. I am here. I am. And that I am, I'll get into in a minute what that means. Jesus confirms that he is the Messiah. And the reflection on that was the woman left her water pot, went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Is this one not the Christ? She recognized something special in him. So the name Messiah was well known among the Jews, for they're all waiting for the appearance of the Savior, the Redeemer. And some are still waiting today, which is so sad. You know, in Israel... It's very secular. I was shocked when I found that out the first time. You think the Holy Land would be the closest to Jesus, but they're the furthest away. They've, we've got mission teams going into Israel to get people saved. Some Jews have not acknowledged Jesus came at all. They're still waiting on him. They have not read the scriptures. They have not understood that. But there are some Jews that have woken up to that, which is great. Because, you know, in their day, they would have had many false prophets too. In the, name, in the day of Jesus, there was lots of people going around saying they're the Messiah. So this is also a thing that people had to work through. Hang on, uh, you're calling yourself Messiah? Yeah, I've seen this. This bloke down the road sees Messiah as well. You know, like, how, do we, how can we trust you? Well, I'll tell you how you trust and you can see by what he did. His works, what he spoke. 
He revealed himself to the people. And he did that through the I am statements. In the book of John, there's seven I am statements. <clears throat> Let me give you a background on the I am, first of all. Now, <coughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Just making sure you're awake. That's okay. <laughs> in the book of Exodus, in chapter, chapter 3, we see Moses has his experience with the burning bush. And, and it goes through there, then... Um, God speaks to him about delivering his people out of Egypt. You know, the Pharaoh had been treated roughly and he said, like, I'm, I'm going to deliver these people. And he gets to verse uh, 13, Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. And Peace, uh, Moses said to God, Behold, when, when I, I come, come to the sons of Israel and shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So here he is being told to go to Egypt to rescue the Israelites, and he has to say, my God, if I say, my God has sent me to rescue you, and they ask me, what's the name of your God? Because there's lots of different names. They're just checking out, is this the right God? What do I say? I mean, what would you say? Who's going to go follow you? Who's going to follow you out? You know, they've been beaten and, and uh, mistreated by Pharaoh and his uh, team, as you may call, uh, and... Who's going to follow it? Because they'd be scared stiff if they did the wrong thing, that they'd, they'd probably get killed. But anyway, let's go on. God says to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, so you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God said to Moses again, you shall say this to the sons of Israel, Jehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my title from generation to generation. So here is a God not only saying, you must, you, you say to the people, I am has sent you. I am, it comes from a word uh, which means all exist in one. God does, was never created. He is all existing. So he says, say the all-existing one, the all-existing God, the God of Isaac, uh, of God of Ab Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent you. It was important because the Jews always like to know the lineage of where they've come from. So they'd speak that out. So just hold that thought for a minute. So here we hear God saying, I am will be my memorial name to the nations forever. So it wasn't just for that moment, but it's forever. The great I am. So I am meaning all-existing one. Okay, we fast forward into the New Testament. Jesus declares he is the anointed one of God through these seven I am statements. The word I am in the Greek is I me, which means all existing one. So where you see I am, he's saying I am the all existing one. This is what Jesus is saying. He says in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. In John 8.12, I am the light of the world. In John 10, 9, I am the door. In John 10, 11 and 14, I am the good shepherd. In John 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. And in John 15, verses 1 to 5, I am the vine. Jesus declares he is the Messiah. He is the living God to the people. And uh, there's no... no uh, about uh, nothing to worry about that in that sense, that he was very clear about who he was. He didn't leave up to their imagination whether he was or he wasn't Messiah. He made it very clear that he was God and he was the only way. He is the resurrection, life, Lord, truth, the way, everything. 
and the vine. But this, to, this morning, the most important thing is, do you know Jesus as the Messiah? We've spoken roughly about that. Have you had an encounter with him? Because further on, there's encounters with the Pharisees picking on Jesus, and uh, they say to him, how is it you know all these things? And Jesus said, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. He declared to the Pharisees that I was before Abraham. And they go, how can you say this? And they thought that was blasphemy because it says they picked up rocks to stone him for saying he was God. But there's another very important passage in John 8, 24, which he delivers to them clearly. He says this to the Pharisees, Therefore I said to you that you shall die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am, referring to God, you shall die in your sins. Jesus made a clear message to these religious Pharisees that thought they knew the Scriptures back to front, but they missed the obvious. They missed the Messiah. They missed the coming one. They missed who he was. And, they, and even though they may practice all their religion and all those things, and some people today practice all their religion and all those things, but that will not save them because they missed the great I Am. They did not receive Jesus, the Messiah. He said to them, you shall die in your sins unless you know who I am. Unless you know who I am, that I am the Lord, Savior of you, the people. And this morning we have that opportunity to receive him, which we will do in a minute. In 1936, Watchman Nee made an, an argument in his book, Normal Christian Faith. He said, a person who claims to be God must belong to one of three categories. First, if he claims to be God and yet in fact is not, he has to be a madman or a lunatic. Second, if he is neither God nor a lunatic, he has to be a liar, deceiving others by his lie. Third, if he is neither of these, he must be God. You can only choose one of these possibilities. If you do not believe that he is God, you have to consider him a madman. If you cannot take him for either of the two, you have to take him for a liar. There is no need for us to prove if Jesus of Nazareth is God or not. All we, need, <coughs> sorry, all we have to do is find out if he is a lunatic or a liar. If he is neither, he must be the Son of God. C.S. Lewis put it another way. When you understand that, that, what Jesus went through on the cross, suffering all that, no, no liar would do that to prove a point, to try to deceive you. I didn't even think a lunatic would. But Lord would. Jesus, our Lord, would. So this morning, we have a decision. It says in the Scriptures, choose whom this day you serve. You know, Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. Some of us like, I'm for you sometimes, Jesus. You know, I like that, what you said. That's pretty good. You look like a good guy. But we're not living for him. He says, well, you're against me. You can only be one or the other. There's no more sitting on the fence. Too many people sitting on the fence, dangling their feet like, for Jesus, uh, for me, for Jesus, for me. Today is a decision. Today is the moment where you've got to declare who side of the fence you're on. Are you for him or are you against him? Because that's what Jesus said. If you're not for me, like he means totally, you're against me. And I think that's a challenging word for us all because he is the true Messiah. And it should change your life. It should change how you live. It changes everything about you changes how you serve. You want to serve now because you're serving the Messiah. We want to give. When we give money, we give because of the Messiah, the work of the kingdom. We do all this because that's what it should have on our heart. If we don't see Jesus as the Messiah totally, 
you're shortchanging yourself. You're not going to see the blessings and, and the power of God move. This morning, I just want you to close your eyes wherever you are. For this is the most important decision you could make. You know, many people, thousands, millions around the world have made the same decision because they have had an encounter with the living God, with the Messiah. Father, we thank you this morning that you are here in our midst. And Father, I thank you for this opportunity right now to pray for people, to receive Christ. And this morning, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you've not understood that He is Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one of God, the Messiah, who came to die on the cross to pay for the price of your sins, that you should have life, life in abundance. If this is the first time you've heard this and you want to respond to that, you say, yes, Jesus, I need you. Yes, Jesus, I need to be forgiven. I need you in my life. Or perhaps you may be a person that made that decision a long time ago, but you felt that you have slackened off, but you need to come back this morning. Perhaps you're not even sure, but you're sensing God calling you right now as He did in that meeting that I had years ago. Whatever it is, God's arms are open to you and He's ready to receive you. But it just requires one thing of you to acknowledge Him, to say, yes, Jesus, I know you. Yes, Jesus, I want to know you. Yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Saviour. Yes, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sin. If that's you here with every head bowed, eye closed this morning, just raise your hand wherever you are and I'll pray for you. See that hand. Thank you. See those hands. See those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, this is the most important thing. Jesus, you are my Messiah. You are my Lord. Christ, He is real. And you better get ready because He's coming back. The Jews missed him the first time, but they certainly aren't going to miss him the second time. And neither will you. No matter who you are, whatever you think, you will not miss him. So it's important this morning that we all say a prayer together, inviting Jesus into our life. Even though we've, many of us have done that, we want to stand with our fellow brothers and sisters that put their hand up today. So we're going to join in this little prayer to receive Jesus. So repeat after me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. And that you rose again from the dead. I receive you now as Lord and Saviour. And I invite you to come into my life now. I thank you in, in Jesus' name. Amen.